you haven't heard, um, Carl, uh, his father passed away. Uh, Dean, uh, his father passed away. I think it was uh, yesterday. So y'all be you be praying for him. I saw him this morning, and as you can imagine, just what it is to walk through that situation. So y'all be y'all be praying for him, as I know he means a lot to to many of you guys, and of course to me as well. So um, let's pray for him right now, and we're going to go ahead and get started. God, we come to you right now, Lord, and we thank you for the living hope that we have uh, when we face all kinds of things in this life, Lord, that we can look to you and have hope, Lord, to know that that you're in control, and Lord, that we can trust you with all things pertaining to life and death. Lord, we thank you that you conquered the grave, Lord, that you took our sin into the grave and came out victorious, and so we thank you uh, for what you did for us on the cross and coming back from the grave to make us whole and new uh, in this life and in the life to come. And so we thank you for the hope we have. We pray that you would sustain Carl and his family even now in that season, Lord. And I thank you for the faith you've put in their hearts to trust and have hope in seasons like this. And so we thank you for that. And we just uh, want to lift up him and other things in, in their life uh, to you right now, Lord. And so we thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, we're so glad that you're here tonight. Um, if you have no idea what's going on, you are uh, a part of what we are calling Family Forum on Mental Health. And the reason for this is, as a church, uh, we want to take responsibility and come alongside our church body uh, to both equip and encourage us, you, one, just in a general understanding of what even we're talking about when we say terms like mental illness, anxiety, depression, and many other things. Uh, but we also want to be responsible to encourage and equip you personally um, because we are, we are people and we are broken and we deal with hard things. And so what is it like to walk through that? But even more so, um, every single one of us are touched by mental health illness one way or another, either personally or by those closest to us. And so we feel it also important to come alongside you and encourage you and how to care for the souls who've been entrusted to you, uh, whether they are friends, co-workers, sons and daughters, granddaughters, grandsons. The reality is, is we never outgrow our responsibility to guide, to comfort, and to care for the souls around us, correct? And one of those things is mental health. It's, it's one of those things that we cannot ignore. It is a predominant um, topic currently, uh, especially with those that I work with in the, in the teenage culture, but uh, it, it touches everyone. And so tonight, what we wanted to do was, from a, a series of conversations that really have been happening for a month among some parents, and so this has kind of been a gradual thing that we've kind of been working to, and so we're glad that you're here tonight. Um, Jill Butler, she's going to come and she's going to share a little bit about, we're going to look at mental health through the lens of the mind, the body, and the soul. And so Jill's going to come and she's going to talk a little bit about just some general understanding, um, just understanding the terms of what we're dealing with. Uh, later on, she's going to be on, on the bookend as well and do some action steps. Uh, we also have Crystal Hillis and Julie Slate. They're going to come and talk about the impact of the body with mental health, with nutrition, 
and exercise and those, those kinds of implications. And I'll be talking about some soul care as we start thinking about mental health. And so they're going to be coming up one by one. We're each going to take about five to ten minutes to speak, and we hope to have some time at the end for some Q&A if you happen to have any questions. Um, but the, the handout, I hope, it's you. hope you got one. If there's not any more, I hope there's some on the back table. Uh, there's, a, there's a handout for each one of our talks as well as lists of resources that we hope that you can kind of continue that conversation and learning. So without further ado, Jill, would you begin for us? Hello, everybody. Okay, can you hear me? <clears throat> okay, so I'm doing this first top handout. What I'm going to try to do is just briefly go through some basic understanding, because one of the things I was talking to Julie and Crystal about is uh, I have a lot of people... I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I've been one for over 20 years, so I've been doing this a long time. And anxiety and depression was in the beginning of my um, practice and still now is one of the top things that I work with people on. And I have a lot of people come through that sit in my office and they have no idea um, why they feel so bad. And um, they don't understand that they are actually very depressed or there's a lot of anxiety going on. And when I start to tell them that and explain why, uh, I was saying a, a light bulb goes off for a lot of people that you're not a crazy person, you're not just not strong enough, that you, you've got something serious going on. And so that is the beginning of a lot of the work that I do. Okay. So let's talk about what is depression. Depression is feelings of sadness, feeling down. Um, not just I've had a bad day or I've had a bad week, but when, when you've got depression, you're talking about weeks now. There's two weeks, three weeks, four weeks that people start feeling sad. Not always feeling super sad right at the beginning. A lot of times it creeps slowly into people's lives. And one of the biggest things I look for is um, the increasing loss of interest in things. There's lots of things we have to do every day that we don't really want to do. But whenever I see people or talk to people and they're saying, well, yeah, I don't really want to um, do the things I normally like to do. Getting to work is hard. Um, doing stuff with my kids. The things that people like to do, but they're not wanting to do anymore, that's definitely a, a big red flag for me when I'm looking at it. And anxiety has more to do with fears, worries, not I'm worried about if you're a teen and they might worry about a, an exam. That's an event that they're worried about and then it's over with. The kind of anxiety I'm talking about builds up where you start to worry about lots of things that normally you wouldn't have worried about, okay? And you have fears about something bad's going to happen, um, that you'll be out of control, that um, you won't be able to do something you need to do. And that's what anxiety is. Okay, so I've got my two little circles here. <laughs> what I wanted to do is a lot of times when I'm looking at what when, when you're thinking about it and you know people around you, the way you're really going to know is by symptoms, okay? The symptoms that you see. So let's just look at depression. We've got um, 
frustration. I see a lot of times it looks like more anger than normal in men and also with teens. So there's a lot of frustration. There's sadness. Again, not just sad over one thing, but starts to be more and more throughout the days and weeks. Feelings and thoughts of worthlessness. Um, also thoughts of being helpless or hopeless. Nothing's going to matter. It doesn't matter what I do. Um, who cares? That kind of no sense of, of power. Um, loss of interest in normal activities. Again, that's a big red flag. Things you normally like to do, but you don't really care even to do that. Um, there's thoughts of suicide or death. That's obviously very serious, and I'll address that just briefly a little bit later. Tiredness. You've had a good night's rest, maybe, but you can't get enough sleep. You want to stay in bed, but also a lot of people have trouble sleeping. So they're exhausted, but they can't get to sleep or stay asleep, or they'll be asleep and want to keep sleeping, and just it tends to be a type of avoidance also, not having to deal with your thoughts and feelings. Um, having trouble with either eating more or eating less than you normally do. And then over on anxiety, it's more physical because anxiety tends to be more of a um, agitator in your physical self. So tiredness, shaking, shortness of breath, those type of things. And the thinking that happens with anxiety is that something bad's going to happen. I just want to take one brief moment to say that there are a lot of different types of anxiety, and I'm not talking about specific phobias or OCD. That's not really what I'm addressing right now. Those have additional symptoms that um, you would need help identifying. But all of those different categories of anxiety still are focused in the idea of, I'm afraid, I'm scared, or something bad's going to happen, some impending kind of doom, or I'm out of control or powerless if that makes sense. Okay. So one thing I wanted to say is if you have a teen at home, um, you might say, well, <laughs> what's the difference between <laughs> being sad or anxious and they're irritable and they're cranky? So what's, I mean, how do I know? And the big piece there is that um, in I think not just in teens, but in a lot of people, but especially teens, there'll be a lot of crankiness about lots of things. Not just the thing that you know they don't like, but lots of things day after day. Excuse me. Um, also, a big piece, and right here in the middle that I have is where depression and anxiety overlap. And a big piece that you also can look for in yourself or anyone else is that there are unexplained physical pain, unexplained physical ailments. I don't feel good. And you'll see that a lot in teens, but I see it also in adults, that they just don't feel well. They can't really say, you know, they can go to the doctor and there's not really a, a blood test to tell them, oh, you have this or that. They just don't feel well. They might have headaches or stomach aches, but it's not really because of a stomach bug or anything like that. Okay? I think... Let me just say this, too, and then, and then I'll be the end of mine, and I'll come back later and finish up. How do you know the difference between a bad day or a bad week and 
this is actually something I need to think about and take seriously. Three things to think about is, is the intensity increasing? Is it getting worse? Um, was it worse this week than last week? Um, and is it more intense about more things? More frequent, just meaning that in the beginning you might see, oh, gosh, uh, I'm really mad about this and that. Oh, now I'm upset all the time. Okay, so the frequency is more often, and it doesn't go away in duration. It doesn't stop. You can't wake up and start over again tomorrow. You feel bad tomorrow and the next tomorrow. All right, and I'll finish up with this here in a little bit. Thank you. Thank you, Jill. Uh, Crystal's going to come, and she's going to talk about um, nutrition and how that impacts mental health. And I just, I just want to encourage you tonight, if, if, if already your attitude is like, I don't know why this is relevant to me, let me just encourage you, and they will continue to do so, um, how personal this should be. Uh, there are currently people in your life who are wrestling with these kinds of things, and maybe those that are very near and dear to you, to which maybe underneath the table because you can't perceive it. And so we want you to, we really want to position you to be able to see those things, recognize those things, and, and know how to help as well. So just want to prod you and encourage you to, to really listen up and to be encouraged tonight. I get to hold it. Hello. Wow, there's a lot more of you in here than I thought. <laughs> when you sit on the front, you don't know how many people are in here. Um, so mine is the second page. I got all the blue. Um, nutrition and mental wellness. Um, so I, I, some, I'm used to talking in front of people. I don't get nervous talking in front of people. But what I tend to do is just say a lot of words really fast. So if I start talking so fast you're not understanding me, somebody just wave at me. Dale, you just wave at me if it's going too fast, okay? I get real excited. <laughs> and so, um, so on, on my handout that I did, I really wanted to give you a lot of information that you could go back and read on your own time. Um, I don't want to stand here and read this to you because you guys can all read. Um, I do deal with preschoolers a lot that don't read, <laughs> but you guys can all do this. Um, so basically on the left-hand side of that paper, um, that was my attempt to prove to you that nutrition does matter. Um, so I'll tell you a little bit about me. I'm a mom. Um, I'm a preschool director, and I'm also recently certified as a holistic nutritionist. Um, and the way that that all came about is, um, I'll kind of spare you all the crunchy, hippie details of my weirdness. Um, try to keep this up front for you guys. But um, I have kids that had struggled with um, all kinds of different um, asthma and allergies and things like that, and always was looking for natural solutions for them. So I started doing that when they were very little, um, pursued that for a long, long time until I had my own health struggles. Um, and as I had my own health struggles, I came to realize how important my nutrition was and how bad my nutrition was, um, the importance of looking for um, natural solutions in what I was eating, what I was feeding my family. Um, and that, in learning about that and helping myself feel better, um, then I became really interested in that and so then pursued that certification. And so that's really what it is. I always say that makes me feel really fancy that I have those letters behind my name. Um, but all it really means is now I know why I feel better <laughs> from doing the things I was already doing. Um, so it does matter. It makes a difference in how you feel. It makes a difference in how your body's going to respond to the stresses that we all are dealing with. So you have a job that demands your time. You have um, your kids' activities that you're running around. All those stresses in our life, um, they're, going to, they're going to put stress on our body, and the stuff that we're putting in our body to fuel us to do those things might be putting stress on our body too. So what we have to look for are um, 
whole natural ingredients. Try to be not hippy-dippy-trippy for you guys. Um, but, but we're going to cut out a lot of the stuff that we don't need to have in our bodies in order to make room for what we do need. Does that make sense? So the left side of this page is just proving to you from my perspective why we need to do this and why it matters. Um, there's, a, there's a link at the bottom of that left-hand side of the page. And Jaron printed a few copies of that, but it's really lengthy. Um, but if that's something that you're definitely interested in, there's lots more reading available for that. Or you can follow that link um, and go to that article. But what I'm really going to talk to you a lot about is on the right-hand side. So I'm going to assume that I've proved to you nutrition really does matter. <laughs> and then I'm just going to move on to the other side. You guys will just stay with me, right? Um, so I, I wanted to make sure, because we just have a limited amount of time, and we're really just trying to start this conversation, um, just to say, hey, if this is something that you or someone in your family is dealing with, try some of these things. You might start to notice some improvement. And we were talking earlier, and I was telling Jill, she was saying the same thing. When you feel better you feel better. And so like it kind of compounds itself. So once you can start to feel better in an area, it will give you uh, more motivation, maybe more energy, more inspiration to pursue some other avenues. And I'm not anti-medication. I'm not anti-counseling. All those things are necessary. I just think there's a lot of things that we can do to help ourselves, even if we're still pursuing those other avenues. Does that make sense? Okay. So over here, where do we start? Um, a few things that are easy to incorporate into your life and you will start to notice a difference in how you feel and how you're responding to stressors. Uh, more water. More water and fewer sugary drinks. So we, I was reading this the other day, um, the average American consumes 150 pounds, pounds of sugar a year. The average. So that means some people are having more than that, right? So if that's the average, we're having way too much sugar. A lot of sugar in our body is really stressful to our body. It's difficult for us to process, and it doesn't give us any nutrition, and it blocks out other things that we need. So if you can cut back on your sugary drinks, um, artificially sugary drinks too, um, and replace that with water, your body is going to function better. I always tell everybody, I, I teach these kinds of things all the time, um, and I always tell everybody, if you give your body what it needs, it will do what it's supposed to do. So if your body's not doing what it's supposed to do, we're not giving it something that it needs, right? A lot of times that can go back to your daily things that you do every day. That daily, you know, 12 cups of coffee or <laughs> that daily um, Route 44 drink on the way to work. You know, those kinds of things add up and they do affect the way that we feel. Um, so that's an easy way to start. Re start replacing those sugary drinks. We get a lot of our sugar from our drinks. Um, the next one is more fruits and veggies and less processed foods. So when I say processed foods, that kind of sounds like one of those crunchy, hippie things. Um, but basically, that's stuff that comes in a box, stuff that you don't cook yourself. You go to the store, and you buy it already ready to go. It sits in your pantry. It can last for a long time. Um, and <laughs> it's easy and convenient, and so that's why we do it. Um, but most of that stuff has got a lot of extra things that your body doesn't need, um, shouldn't have, and doesn't really know how to process. And so it creates more stress inside our bodies. Does that make sense? kind of a basic way of looking at it. But if you can cut back on those things and you can add more of the fruits and vegetables, your body's going to know what to do with those things. It's going to get the nutrients it needs to be able to function properly. Does that make sense? Have I lost you? Have I got some? Okay, I got some nods. Okay. Um, so I want to tell you, <laughs> whole, whole, it says, whole foods retain their nutrition content and are better used by our bodies. But a lot of times when you say, well, okay, Crystal, fine. I need to eat fr more fruits and vegetables. But I eat, you know, I eat vegetables every day. Um, I just want to just throw this out there for you because I'm a visual learner. I'm a visual person. 
Um, when everybody talks about like a serving of fruits or vegetables, we don't really know what that is. And so we think, hey, I get my servings of fruits and vegetables. But you should be having four to five cups, like a measuring cup that you would use like to scoop out flour or something. Four to five cups every day of fruits and vegetables. So if you're not doing that, you need more. And that's pretty much everybody. <laughs> so um, that's a lot of fruits and vegetables. And the more that we can get those in us, the better our, able our bodies are to function properly because it's giving those nutrients. Does that make sense? The processed stuff and the stuff that comes in boxes, those are kind of the opposite of nutrients. They're making our lives more difficult, even though they're convenient. All right. Um, then I'm going to say something about grains just quickly. Don't skip the grains. There's lots of diets that talk about, hey, cut out all the carbs, or hey, just go gluten-free, or some, sometimes you'll talk to people and they say, like, I, I eat healthy, I don't eat any kind of bread, you know. Um, and that might be good. That might be good for you. Everybody's bodies are going to function a little bit differently, um, but it's not really the, it's not the only, it's not the only thing, right? And we do need those whole grains, lots of fiber in the whole grains, lots of fiber in the fruits and vegetables. The fiber is good for you, like, just like your grandma told you, right? You need that fiber to clear out all the junk. Is that a nice way to say that? Clear out all the junk with that fiber, right? Because we don't want that stuff hanging around and recirculating and not clearing out, right? Because if you don't take out the trash in your house, eventually you're going to start smelling that, right? Um, that's going to not get better over time. <laughs> it's going to get worse. And that's what it does in your body too. So that's another reason. So if you're cutting out grains because you think that it's going to be healthier for you, maybe take another look at which grains. Like if you're cutting out Pop-Tarts and donuts, great. Those are grains to cut out. Excellent. There's flour in those. Um, but that's not the only thing that makes those things unhealthy for you. Um, you still need some of those whole grains, like oats, right? Um, the fruits and vegetables, those fibers, all those are going to be helpful. Okay? Okay, so then I've convinced you, right? I've convinced you. We need to do that. And I can do those three things, Crystal. Totally I can do those things. Then what about my kids? Because that's where it always comes down to it. And I work with kids, and I have kids, and I have picky ones, and I understand, and it's hard whether they're little or teenagers. Um, so picky eaters, even picky eaters still need nutrition. Um, and so when our kids are little, it's up to us to figure out a way to help them with that. It just is. And that's not easy, and that's just the way it is. But you knew it wasn't easy when you decided to be a parent, right? You knew that wasn't going to be easy. So look for ways to make what they already like more nutritious. So if they really, 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 really only like macaroni and cheese, okay, Make it the best you can make it, right? If that means you make it from scratch, you buy the best, you know, cheese you can get or whatever it is. Whatever it is that you're doing to make whatever they're eating more healthy, um, they're going to start making those steps. And then you add those things in. Always offer the fruits and vegetables. If you can do it every day, make it convenient for them to grab at a snack, put it on their plate. Even if you're not, and I, I would never say, say, hey, Eat every bite before you get up, Jaron. Um, I would never advise that. But the more they're exposed to it, the more likely they are to continue eating that. Okay? So I would say keep trying. But whatever they're willing to eat, make it as healthy as possible. I, my nephew went through, I, it felt like years where all he would eat was peanut butter sandwiches. Um, and so make it the best peanut butter sandwich you can make it, right? Get the <laughs> best whole grain bread you can get. Get the natural peanut butter without the extra sugar. Whatever you're doing, just make progress, okay? Because the more progress you make, the more inspired you'll be to continue moving in that direction. Does that make sense? Well done. So baked Cheetos? Darn. They're baked, though. Man, I love those things. Uh, Julie Slate is going to come and share about exercise and recreation and how that imp 
has impact on uh, uh, mental health as well. Okay, hello. Um, I am going to address uh, physical, mental, and spiritual benefits of um, exercise and physical activity, really regarding um, kids and parents and grandkids. It, it, it all goes hand in hand. Um, really hopeful, hoping that whatever I share tonight might encourage you to um, become more active. And I don't really want to say exercise. I, I feel like we all know the exercise and kind of what it offers. Um, but not really specifically when you think of exercise gym or going for a run or becoming, you know, this athlete. I, and not really even that. I really just want to talk about the physical activity and um, how that works in the body. So I'm going to start talking about the actual physical part and what happens uh, when you're active to the body. So we, most of us know that weight loss is going to happen, and that's, that's a great thing. Um, it, it increases flexibility, uh, in case you don't know that. When you're moving and working, naturally your body goes through full ranges of motion, which helps you in your day-to-day -day movements and life. Kids as well, all the way up to um, seniors, just doesn't matter. Strengthens bones, strengthens your muscles, which is great for the skeletal system. Starting someone at this age will probably be more likely that they are going to follow that routine as they become older. Um, something very important you need to know as you, as you get older, you need those to support the body. Um, when you are physical, it's going to promote more productivity. Uh, it just makes you feel better. Um, two things that increase productivity um, is the energy levels. Also, when relating this to your kids, um, disconnecting and putting the iPads, the phones, even the television, uh, getting rid of that for a little bit, even adults, um, getting rid of that and going and doing physical activity again, it can be something as simple as going outside and playing catch, going for a walk, uh, walking the dog, really anything that you're getting up and doing. Um, also, when you're physically active, it increases your energy, which you would think that it wears you out. And, and it can, depending on the intensity of the routine that you're doing. But things start to happen within the body, the chemicals start to change, and you do have the desire to become more active because you were just active. So it's great the way that works. I know, for instance, when we're at my house and I'm working, if we're all sitting around, if we get up, turn everything off, and the requirement is to get the room clean and put up the clothes, um, before we know it, the TV's still not on and we're outside messing around, and it's just, it creates that desire to not to want to go sit back down and become still. So um, also being physical can alleviate pain. Uh, just moving, getting those joints, getting your full range of motion, it can alleviate pain all the way from kids um, to adults. It does, it's not specific um, with the age. Um, the endorphins that are created when we move kind of act as a natural painkiller, if you will. Um, so it does and can help. 
Um, stretching is great. So we kind of know about the, the, the physical aspect, but I'm going to go on to the mental, what happens when we are physically active um, in our mind. Um, I will say, and I'm going to talk about kids, but this goes again for adults. Um, if your kids or grandkids come home from school, they're in a bad mood, they've had a bad day, they wake up in a bad mood. Most of the time, if you can encourage some physical activity instead of them instantaneously, not even going to the, the iPad, maybe not going right into homework, but you've got some activity going. You go for a walk. Maybe you're, you've got some chores to do around the house. It does improve the mood. Again, the chemicals within the body start to change, and it, it helps. Um, combat all that that type of unhappy maybe thoughts or feelings or struggles their mind their mindset changes um, so definitely you become happier during physical activity there is a protein that is released in the brain that does help with that it is kind of like a natural happy pill um, and it does help it it is not always the solution uh, there are times that you're gonna possibly need more than that but without a doubt when you're moving you definitely start to feel that um, feeling of being happy um, you do begin to gain willpower whenever you start moving around and you you make it a routine um, when you gain willpower you gain self-control and we know that that's one of the fruits of the spirit so when I think of that I'm thinking of if I know every day that I need to get up and move, if I'm looking at it from a parent's point of view, um, and I'll use my son Hudson, uh, he gets home, he does a little his own little thing later instead of immediately going to an electronical item. And I keep bringing up electronical items because I'm thinking most parents know exactly what I'm talking about. That is a struggle at our house. Uh, and I mean, I'm guilty. My electronical item is probably the TV. Um, my brain goes blah. The great thing about creating movement in the house, other than our bodies moving, there becomes conversation. Within that conversation, we are building a stronger bond with one another. It is very um, unthreatening for, if you're dealing with the kids especially, it's, a, it's an unthreatening and comfortable position. There's no eye contact. We could be doing this and that. And before I know it, he's sharing things that I'm not having to dig out of him. Um, I've got one, one son that really loves to share and tell me everything. My oldest son that's now in college, he was one that, you know, maybe at midnight he would share with me. Um, <laughs> that's serious. But I would have to dig things out of him. But I will say, if, if we were out and about doing things and being active, um, it just, sometimes it did just happen. So um, gaining the willpower. Reduce the stress. We talk about stress, and children, adults, seniors, I feel like we all are under stress, um, more than others maybe. But... Um, as I address the kids right now, I know that they're under stress. They're at stress from school, homework, sports, which are, those are all great in and of themselves, but there's a lot of pressure out there to perform social media. Um, so being active definitely, definitely helps um, 
get rid of that stress. It helps the mind. Um, and again, getting rid of those electronical items and moving. Um, it helps with the positive attitude. It increases the serotonin. Um, again, that happy feeling that you get. Chemicals change when you start to move. It doesn't have to be sprints. It doesn't have to be a high-impact class, which are all great. Um, but it can be something as simple as going outside and playing ch chase, um, doing chores around the house. That's, that's always great. Um, improves your cognition. So when we move, we increase blood flow to the brain. When we increase the blood flow to the brain, um, our cognitive skills are increased and they're sharper. Um, it's a long-lasting effect. Um, and I I'm always amazed, and I didn't say this at the beginning, but um, I have been in the fitness field for 25 years and been a personal trainer for that long and group fitness instructor, and I have many clients that are always shocked at how they feel so much better after moving, and it can be something really small. It doesn't, I mean, I can walk with them around the block, and they feel good. And so that's kind of what happens. It also increases um, and betters the sleep habits, which are really important and something to be paying attention to. Uh, sleep is as, as important as being active and moving. Um, again, all of these things that we've discussed up here kind of feed off of the other. Um, if you're doing one, you're going to feel better about doing the other. If you're doing this, you're going to feel better about doing this. I mean, it, it does put you and set you up to be in a better spot. It's not always the complete answer, but it definitely, definitely can help. Um, again, talking about the depression, it's a great antidepressant. It helps with your self-confidence, and it does improve the sleep. Um, kind of relating physical activity to the spiritual aspect, um, it does promote mindfulness. I feel like um, if I'm going to give you an example, maybe... Um, being with the family and out being active, everybody is being intentional at that point. Um, there's so much things that are going on, but most of all there is connection, there is um, bonding taking place, there's communication happening, um, and you're just sharing that um, love, really. And it, it, you are, you're being very mindful and very um, intentional for that which is great, uh, so improves relationships. Um, clears your head. Uh, I don't know if any of y'all have, anybody has ever gone out and maybe gone for a workout, gone for a walk, whatever it was, being something physical, and you just feel better. Um, a lot of that is just simply because you're not focused on whatever it was that was bogging you down, um, but a lot of it is too, the chemicals in your body have started to change, and it's feeding you some positive uh, things. Um, and it just improves the overall well-being. Uh, just reminding you that physical activity, whether again, whether it's a, a high-impact exercise up here or it's something as simple as doing stuff around the house and maybe just getting off the couch or disconnecting from the electronical stuff, um, overall it actually really can um, put you in a better spot mentally. Um, kids as well, 
just being active and being able to connect. So maybe that if it's one thing that I might could encourage you to do, just maybe to think about that a little bit. If there's something that any of those things you're not doing and you've been looking for something maybe a little extra to to do or to help with, um, it absolutely does help. And I, I know that with personal experience. I know after having kids, I, especially my first one, a little postpartum, I was never diagnosed with it, but I did have the feelings of, I don't want to do nothing. I mean, I definitely wanted to take care of my baby, but I didn't care about me at all. Um, and that is definitely, that's, that's a problem. Um, so obviously being in the word and, and prayer and, you know, it, it is what I do. That's what I did. I had to teach and do my classes and um, slowly it did, and I did notice absolutely every time I made myself do this or do that, to get off the couch, be active, clean the house, immediately feeling better. So, um, not always the complete answer, but absolutely it is important, and it and it can and will help you if you are on that journey of finding maybe some mental health and peace. So, thank you, Julie. How many of y'all are grandparents in here? Let me see your hands. Awesome, proud grandparents. So, word to you grandparents. You guys like to spoil, right? That's what I hear. So, funny story, when I was five years old, my grandfather would take me to Del Rancho and would pay me $5 if I could eat the whole entire Del Rancho steak sandwich. I conquered it. I made, I made many $5 from him. So I guess what I'm trying to say is support your parents' desire to, to feed them well. Help them out, all right? Okay. Funny story. Um, I think some of this, what I'm hearing and what I need to hear is it's about stewardship as well. And so we shouldn't be surprised if we're going to take care of our bodies with what we put in it and what we do with them, that there are positive and negative effects that come from that, not just physically, but mentally. We are... We are whole people. And so kind of transitioning uh, to soul care, oftentimes I think we, we try to compartmentalize our lives into categories that we can easily act and think differently in different places. I'm going to morph and transition and be different when I'm at church to when I'm at home and to when I'm at work. We, we kind of can easily get into a, a habit of doing that. And, and that kind of thinking can kind of influence how we address things like mental, mental health, mental illness. Because uh, the reality is, is what we want you to hear tonight is we are physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual beings. And so when we are faced with mental illness, we have to be willing. When those closest to you are struggling with mental illness, we have to be willing to look at all of these things. That it's not just pray harder. That it's not just, you know, go see this person. I mean, it's you have to look at the whole gamut of things. The physical, the mental, the emotional, the spiritual things. And so... Let me kind of transition into some, some spiritual, uh, some things, some thoughts to consider spiritually as you, one for yourself or you're caring for someone close to you struggling with some mental health issues. And I just, a couple things, I'm going to try to be brief and then I'll, uh, a few follow-ups, some helpful steps for you. One, um, mental illness certainly can be impacted by sin, but it is not always an issue of sin as it is an issue of a broken mind. Um, oftentimes when individuals struggle with things like with depression and anxiety that Jill was talking about, um, 
when they struggle with these things, the extent of the encouragement uh, they receive is, well, just stop being sad or stop being anxious, as if it's a switch that can be turned off just like that. Or worse, they rightly encourage them to put their, their faith, their hope in God. We want individuals to do that when they're struggling with that. But then also wrongly insinuate, because they're putting their faith in God, that that will eliminate all of the struggles of anxiety and depression. And so let's remember that faith is not always the means to eliminate our current struggles, but a means to help us endure the struggles uh, and trusting God's sovereign care and timing uh, to put our hope in him that he will eliminate those things in his way and his timing. Um, and also for the spiritually minded individual, things like anxiety and depression are already making them wonder and question their own faith in God. And so let's not add to this by misappropriating the role of faith um, in regards to mental illness. Uh, John Piper uh, has spoken and has written a whole lot on things like anxiety and depression. He says this, he says, when anxiety strikes, this doesn't mean that we are faithless. It means that our faith is being attacked. And so the most important thing about us in regards to mental health is not about whether or not we encounter mental illness, but what we do when we encounter it. For example, King David wrote in Psalm 56.3, he says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, he says. And so even looking at the Psalms, they're stocked full of a variety of human emotions and experiences. And so the assumption is, is that because we are human, uh, we are going to encounter human-like experiences, even things like mental illness. The Psalms are stock full of anxiety and depression, all over it. And so when, not if, you or those closest to you encounter things like fear and sorrow, it's important what we do, but it's also important what we expect those things to accomplish when we do them. And so we'll talk about that here in just a second. The second thing I wanted to share with you is that mental illness impacts our judgment and reasoning. Mental illness impacts our ability to discern truth. It impacts our ability to be disciplined enough to disregard what is false, regardless of how irrational those things are. It's basically, I want you to think of it this way, it's a war between subjective truth and, and objective truth, meaning it's a war between what feels right or what seems true to me right now in this situation versus what is absolutely true no matter what. I'm walking through and going through. And so the battle for truth in the, midst, uh, in the midst of mental illness is an extremely difficult process. It requires daily attention. For example, what once was an unshakable truth last year, last month, yesterday, today can be hard to believe because of what the impact of mental illness on our life. What once anchored us with, with assurance and confidence can feel as though the anchor has lost its hold in the midst of stormy seas. And so judgment and reasoning uh, will not be strengths in the midst of mental illness. And so with those two potential hurdles or obstacles in the midst of, of dealing with mental illness, helping those with mental illness, uh, and aside from everything else we've talked about tonight, what should we do and what should we keep doing over and over and over as, as we care for the souls of people in our life who are struggling with the weight of mental illness. And so these, these would be really simple. Just go through these really quickly. One is just be patient and to wait on the Lord with them. 
I love Psalm 40 where David says, what does he say? He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. At comma, he inclined to me and heard my cry. And we read that and we just assume he prayed and God immediately answered. We're not really given any kind of timetable as to when God did incline and hear his cry. The reality is, is that the struggle of mental illness can go days, weeks, months, and years. With those in our lives who are struggling, let's, let's wait with them and let's hope in the Lord with them through that. Secondly, confront the what feels true with what is true. So, for example, and I've got some listed in the notes, uh, for example, just one in particular. When someone in your life you care for says, I feel alone, or this will never change, those types of things, or God has abandoned me, those types of things, um, we remind them that that may feel true, that may seem true in the moment, but what is true are things like Isaiah 41.10, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And the thing we have to remember as we are helping those we love fight to believe what is true, not what feels true, is that it is a hard battle, and in some seasons, it feels fruitless. It feels as though they are not anchoring their own hearts in the promises that God has made to them. But again, even as us encouragers have to face that subjective, objective truth, it seems fruitless. It feels like it's not working. But the objective truth is Isaiah 55, 10 through 11, where God says, his word shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So let's be faithful to come alongside those who are hurting to fight against those subjective truths that they are believing with what is objectively true, about what is true, not just what seems true, because we trust in the power of the Word of God. Uh, thirdly, uh, remember that Jesus invites us to confess our struggle to believe and hope. Uh, the story of Jesus taking a few of the disciples to the mountain to be transfigured, and down below, the disciples are trying to help the people, and there's this father who has this son who's just in a bad way, and, and they cannot help him. And so Jesus comes down, and it's like, well, your disciples couldn't do anything. And, and, and so Jesus, if, if you can do anything for me, and, and what does Jesus say in Mark chapter 9? He says, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. And I love the father's response and says in verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. That, that is an encouragement to, the, to those in your life who are struggling, even to the point where they are questioning and doubting things that once were unshakable, things that were points of confidence in their life and yet are losing hold of the promises of God, that they are invited to come to Christ even in their doubt and their struggle and to admit, God, I need help. Uh, the poor in the spirit, those who are weak, who are needy, who can come to Christ and say, I have nothing to offer and Jesus says, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And so uh, remember that Jesus invites us to confess our struggle to believe in hope. Fourth, uh, when someone in your life is struggling to fully believe and hope that God is faithful, then you and I have a responsibility to tangibly demonstrate the faithfulness and love of God with our presence and with our commitment to them. And so never underestimate the role of your consistent, committed presence that will play in the life of someone who is hopeless to find hope in God again. 
And so what does that look like? Just very quickly, um, just to bear with them that, that weight, that burden, to do that with faithfulness, gentleness, patience, and love. You know, Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Don't underestimate praying for them, but especially with them. And just coming alongside them and praying over them and with them on a consistent basis. Nothing expresses care like prayer. And, and remember that as an encourager in someone's life who's struggling with these types of things, that our goal is not to be their savior. Our goal is not to fix them. Our goal is not to try to get them undepressed, if that's such a word. Our goal is just to point them to the hope that is found in Christ over and over and over again, regardless of how fruitless it may feel or seem, to, to push them to see the truth and the character and nature of God. And finally, I'll, I'll wrap up with this, is saturate as an encourager or as one who you're here tonight and you struggle with some of these things. Saturate yourself, your soul in the Psalms and some good books. There is, I mean, the greatest among us, past and present, uh, they were confronted with their weakness and they have endured things like mental illness. And there is great company that is found in reading either in the Psalms or in good books, of others who have gone before us who have struggled and wrestled with these things, to know that you're not the only one, that your daughter, your grandson, or whoever it might be, or a coworker that is wrestling with these things, to know that they're not the only ones who wrestle with these things, that these are real issues that people face. I'm going to have Jill come up, and she's going to give us some action steps, some things for you to ponder and, and think about, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. Okay, guys, you've gotten a lot of information tonight you can just hang on for a few more minutes. I, I want to say that um, sometimes people feel very, very self-conscious and they don't want to reach out if they're struggling. It's, it's hard, and especially because of the thinking you have going on. And I know that anytime somebody reaches out to me, I am always compassionate and empathetic because I care. And I think that most people that love you and care about you We'll do that also. So I, I just want to encourage you that you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to do it alone with a family member, that there's lots of help out there, um, whether it's through Jaron or Owen or contacting me. I just want to encourage you that, um, that um, you don't have to struggle by yourself. Okay? All right. So when should you seek help? How do you know that um, I'm, I'm not just going to, you know, get over this in a little while? Most of the time, the pay attention to the fact that you're having trouble or the person in your life is having trouble doing day-to-day -day things. When depression and anxiety really become a problem is when you, your functioning is decreasing your ability to get out of bed and brush your teeth and go to work, you're struggling to do that. Things you would do every day normally. Um, getting dinner ready, picking people up, going to church, um, talking. You just want to isolate. And that's, that's, a, that's a big red flag. So it affects your functioning. Okay. So medicine. Um, this is always an interesting conversation that I approach very um, carefully with people. But my first thought that I would say is, make sure you have information, not misinformation, okay? 
Um, medicine is not for everyone, and it's not for every single person that has some anxiety or depression. But um, there are many people that medicine is exactly what they need. So a good distinguisher for me, and this is not for you to decide. Obviously, you can't just go out and get medicine <laughs> if you want it. You need somebody to prescribe it for you. But um, when I'm working with people, what I look for is people with mild to moderate anxiety or depression oftentimes are helped by exercise. In fact, research shows that exercise, um, and it, it doesn't have to be um, couch to 5K or whatever. It can just be walking or just doing some basic things. Exercise gets your serotonin levels up as effectively as medicine. That's for mild to moderate cases. But people who are moderately to severely depressed or anxious, they're the ones that medication is necessary. Um, and that's because one of the ways I think about it is when we have allergies, when we have, uh, there's diabetes, there's um, the flu, there's things like that. When you have allergies, you have physical symptoms that need to be treated. So if you take Zyrtec or you go get allergy shots, it doesn't make your allergies stop, right? But it does help you manage the physical symptoms, the eye watering, the itching, and all that. Medicine for depression or anxiety does the same thing. All it does is help you manage the physical symptoms so that you can focus on the mental, emotional, and spiritual root causes that are going on. And that's, that's a big thing to think about. Um, depression and anxiety isn't just uh, a mind thing or a heart thing. Because it's a whole body thing, if you can get some help with physical symptoms where you can't move, you don't want to think, you don't want to do anything, or you're so overwhelmed with anxious thoughts that you can't think straight, medicine can help with that so that then you can focus on actually getting better because medicine doesn't, it's not a happy pill, okay? It doesn't make you happy. It doesn't solve your problems, but you're also not going to get addicted to it. A lot of people have that impression also. I'm not talking about any controlled substances. I'm talking about simple, usual antidepressants and anxiety medicine. So in the end, it's your choice, but there are definitely people that when they come into my office, if they're not managing their symptoms with medication, I don't get very far with them because they can't concentrate and go out and day-to-day -day do the other things that we've been working on for them to do. Okay? Does that make sense? All right. Um, all right. Back page. Taking action. So back page of the first page. Thank you, Jaron. <laughs> okay. Um, pray. Um, if you, if if it's your teen, pray for wisdom for you, and how to approach it, and pray for their mental, emotional well-being. But pray for yourself, and ask others to pray. This is where. Everybody likes to pray, right? We can all pray. Praying's good. Most people do that. So ask for help and um, have people pray for you and you pray for them, okay? But um, if it's a teen, if you have a teenager, tell them, hey, I'm seeing that you've been having a hard time 
um, getting to your basketball practice and you seem like you've been really agitated lately. Have you noticed what's going on? Gentle, okay, don't, don't come at them critically. But this would apply to your spouse, <laughs> to your mom or your dad, um, anybody that you're talking to. Gentle, but simple, but straightforward. What have you seen that you're worried about? And ask them what they think is going on, okay? Um, next, listen. Listen, don't lecture. <laughs> that can be hard, can't it? But listening means um, asking them what's going on and hearing them. Don't spend time telling them how to fix it or what they ought to do or that, well, you're just, you're just this or pray a little more or what. Don't do that. Hear them. I mean, that's, that's what I do in therapy. I listen a lot without judgment. Okay, people need to be heard, and it feels good when you're telling someone, I am hurting, I am struggling, I am having a very hard time, and that person says, tell me about it, what's going on, um, wh how, when did this start, what kinds of struggles are you having, that is the kind of listening that I'm talking about, okay. Um, be gentle but persistent. So don't tell somebody what they ought to do and how they ought to do it. Most of us don't. I, I personally do not enjoy that <laughs> when somebody likes to tell me what to do or how I need to fix something. But <laughs> maybe that's just me and my my own issues. But um, if you're being gentle and persistent, hey, I see you're still having a hard time. Have you called? Have you have you called a therapist or have you called someone? You were going to call so-and-so and ask them about. Follow up, okay? Gently, but persistently. Um, acknowledge her feelings or his feelings, no matter how ridiculous it sounds, okay? When you're in the middle of a black hole and you're feeling awful, you're going to say some things and feel some things that may not make a lot of sense to other people. And that's a lot of times why people don't tell people, because they feel like they're going to sound ridiculous. Just let people tell you how they feel. Let the loved one you have in your life tell you what's going on. Because whatever, however untrue it might actually be, that's where they're at. That's how they really feel. That's what they're really thinking. And they just need you to hear them. And to say, I'm with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to support you as much as possible. That's what they need, is they need to know that you're not judging them. You're not going to criticize them. You don't think they're weak or a failure. Because those are feelings that come across whenever you're really depressed or anxious. Okay? Trust your gut. If you really feel like with your teen or with a family member, I know I've had a family member that's struggled a lot over the years, and when I have a gut feeling about that, um, I follow it up. I don't, a lot of times we say, oh, well, and we, we don't say something, you know. But I have always found that, Simply asking somebody if they're doing okay is so powerful, is very, very powerful. You don't have to have the answers. You don't have to know everything. You just have to show that you're caring and you're paying attention, okay? All right. Um, find a therapist if you need one. If you're in that kind of, I'm having a hard time getting through my day, these feelings of anxiety, I just can't think about anything else but just how worried I am about all these things. My experience is... 
um, personal recommendation. Well, that sounds weird, but my, my experience is personal recommendations go better. Here at the church, all of our leadership has, I think almost everyone's contacted me at some point or another th- about mental health or about a therapist. I'm happy, I'm happy for you to contact me. I left my number at the bottom. Um, ask, ask our church leadership. Ask a friend if you know that, hey, they saw a therapist and they like that therapist. Um, there's You can get on Google, but there's not a whole lot of reviews out there. Um, so that can make it hard to kind of pinpoint. So again, if um, we've got other therapists in this church too, I know that that would be happy to, to give some recommendations, okay? Um, make an appointment with your doctor or with your teen's pediatrician or doctor to make sure that there's not other some other kind of medical issue. Sometimes thyroid problems can look a lot like depression, and there's some other issues that people can have that are actual medical conditions. So you just want to make sure that there's not something else going on um, that can be easily taken care of or understood. Okay? All right? Okay. If you think, here's my thing, it's not just your teenager, but if you think or that someone is suicidal, if you are hearing them say things like, it doesn't matter, and um, there's no hope, and joking about it, please do not do anything but take it very seriously. Very few people joke about that, and you do not have to handle it by yourself. You need to reach out. Um, there's at the bottom. I have some suicide hotlines. There's an Oklahoma um, group that will come to your home, or and they're a mobile unit, and they will come out if they somebody needs some intervention with um, because they're having thoughts or feelings of suicide. Don't ever blow anybody off, okay? Um, my radar always goes straight up whenever I hear certain things. So just be aware and, again, reach out and get help because there is help. Did I get all of that? I did. Okay. At the bottom are some resources. Awesome. Let's just always remember that every person has worth and value because they are created by God. And every single one of us are responsible to care and love for those around us who are close and those who are connected to those who are close to us. Um, that, that's what we should be good stewards of, is of people, that we love people and we want to love them well. And that's what we've wanted tonight to be about. And so if tonight was the first time you've heard some of this and it just sounds like a bunch of goobly gunk, I totally get that. I understand. Um, but let tonight be like the, a first step for you of, of beginning to understand the the immensity of our being, that there's a lot going on at place. God has done an incredible work in making us and designing us, and it's to operate in a certain fashion uh, that it operates well and, and does what it's expected to do. And so we want to we be good stewards of our bodies, and we want to help others around us do the same. And so uh, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions, I know the ladies will probably be up here. If you have any questions or concerns you want to talk about, feel free to do that, um, and, and hope tonight would be beneficial to you. Let me pray for us, and we'll be out of here. God, we thank you so much uh, for uh, the things that we've heard tonight, the importance of, of seeing just how complex you have made us to be. And Lord, 
Um, the world in which we live in is broken, and therefore our bodies and our minds um, and our souls are broken as well. And Lord, you are the only one that can redeem us and make us whole. And so, Lord, help us to be fully devoted to your way and your plan and how that's to look. And, and that certainly falls within what we've talked about tonight. And so, Lord, help us to embrace that and to love what you've done in us and to, to love others well and help them through their struggles. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much.